Live from the summit in San Antonio, Texas, the Core presents Sales Training Boot Camp with Patrick Galvin. Today's topic, The Connector's Way. How were those classes this morning? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And you're finishing strong. I'm proud of you. Room's full. We got about four more hours of work to do. We got some great stuff coming up. We got a speaker that I really like. We got Todd's going to do a great talk. I'm going to finish this up with some stuff. Um, you have enough systems right now. You have enough tactics and enough systems. So for the rest of the day, we're going to work on our mind and our theory. Okay? So I don't read much because books bore me. And they're long and detailed. And they say the same thing how many times? Because they don't have much information. I like storybooks. Love raving fans. Loved uh, the carpenter. So listen. I think that to tell you what to do is how a lot of people do it. We show you what to do. So my coaches are all in the business. Me and Todd and Reed are in the business. We show you what to do. So my girl Tammy Wittren sent me this book. And it's about 85 pages. And I gave all you new members the book. And I loved it right out of the gate. I related to the guy. I remember myself being like that, not having enough business, not having enough relationships. And I really like this book. So one thing about me, when I saw Tony Robbins, I liked Tony Robbins. I pursued Tony Robbins till I talked to him. I had pursued Marcus Limonis. I pursued uh, Keith Cunningham. Half my, I pursued Roy. Half my coaches I pursued. So I like this guy's book. So what do I do? Call the author of the book. Start talking to him. We had a couple talks. I really like what he's about. I think he's just a really solid guy. Uh, he's got a really fun story to share with you. I think you're really going to enjoy him. So I would like you to get out your blue notepad, put everything else down, take a clean piece of paper so you can take some fun notes about the theory, about what we're going to talk about, about relationships. Um, I have enjoyed him. He's really uh, a really good guy, which... We all need to be more good. I don't know that's proper English, but I think we all need that. He's a really good guy. Helps a lot of people. Um, does some excellent things. So I've enjoyed him. I want you to give it up for my friend Patrick. Come on up here, Patrick. Thank you. So, you guys are a lot of fun. I got here yesterday, and I had no idea that mortgage folks and real estate people were such awesome lip syncers. That was, that was that was incredible to see. And after that, I went down to the downstairs bar. And, of course, the writer of The Connector's Way spends a lot of time connecting. So I talked to a lot of you. I'm looking out on a lot of familiar faces. And that's always a nice feeling. Now, unfortunately, I've talked to so many people that I'm a little bit hoarse. Uh, so I'm an octave lower than I usually am. And I hope they don't start queuing up Barry White music or something in the background because I will not lip sync to Barry White. I'm here to talk to you guys about relationships. And I would argue with anybody that the key to success in business is building great relationships. And that's true whether you're a loan officer or a realtor, or for that matter, any other sort of professional. Now, when I say this, I'm sure that some of you are thinking to yourselves, of course. I've known that my entire career. I've always been a relationship builder. 
And for those of you who can say that, I salute you. But my guess is that some of you are like me. And you had to learn this lesson the hard way. So my business story is a pretty typical one. I went to school and got my MBA in marketing. And when I went out into the workforce, I thought I knew everything that I needed to know to succeed. Typical, overconfident MBA. I go to work for a couple different companies in various sales and marketing jobs. And then I join my family's retail furniture business. And because I am the self-proclaimed marketing guru in the family, I take over all of marketing decision-making. So what does an extremely arrogant MBA do when he comes onto a new job? Well, he looks at the competition and says, I'm going to do better. So what I discovered was the typical furniture business spent about 6% of its gross sales on advertising. And I figure, hey, all I need to do is advertise better than the competition. So I go out and I find this hotshot advertising agency. They come up with this really cool creative campaign. And then I go into check writing mode, writing a check for an internet company here, buying some radio, TV, direct mail, yellow pages, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And in the first five months in the family business, I blow through my entire marketing budget of $150,000. And I remember this, if it happened just the other day, of being in my furniture showroom, waiting for a flood of business to come in as a result of all this fantastic advertising, and crickets. You could have thrown bowling balls down the center of our showroom and not hit anybody. My initial thought, I hired the wrong agency. If I had a different agency, they would have given me better creative content, they would have put me in better marketing channels, I would have been successful. But I couldn't test that theory out because I had no money left. So I start looking into what I had done and what I discovered really changed my life and ultimately got me to write The Connector's Way. What I discovered back in the 1990s is more true today. That is, we are in a super saturated marketing world. You could go to Times Square in New York City, where this was taken, and stand up and see some of the most amazing ads that Madison Avenue puts together, in terms of their copy, the creativity, the lights, and what have you, but you don't need to travel to New York City. In fact, you can go on a virtual trip into your pocket or purse, pull out your smartphone, and you've got all the billboards and flashing lights and gizmos on a microscale that you see there. Companies believe that the way you grow for the most part, is you attract people through advertising. The numbers are amazing. In 2016, American businesses spent $195 billion on advertising. This year, it's going to be well over $200 billion. Year after year growth, the only given is it's going to keep increasing. The channels are changing. People are moving away from print and into digital. But the baseline reality is there is a super saturation effect going on. How does this relate to relationships? Well, it means everything. Because how, are we, how do we respond as individuals in this super saturated marketing environment? How do our clients respond when we send out stuff to them through traditional marketing channels? A lot of them are doing this. They want to stick their head in the sand. We want to stick our heads in the sand and make all this clutter go away.
And we can do this so easily now. Cable TV lost subscribers for the very first time in its history last year, in part because people are sick of paying those expensive cable bills. But even more importantly, people can screen out marketing messages by streaming their favorite videos with Amazon Prime or Netflix or Hulu. And for you cat lovers out there, I've got great news for you. Thanks to YouTube, for $10 a month, all the cat videos you want without commercials. It's a wonderful world we live in. You folks who still watch the network, CBS, NBC, ABC, you're probably using DVR. 70% of all households have TiVo-type devices. And for you folks who are using DVRs, when's the last time you've seen a commercial? The same thing happens in radio that's happening now in television. In 2001, Sirius and XM came onto the scene and people laughed and said, who's going to pay for radio when you can get it for free? Very quickly, those two companies amassed tens of millions of subscribers. And in 2008, they had to merge because they saw Internet radio as their competitor. I bought a car last year that has an app in my dashboard that basically, through Pandora, I can be my own DJ. For $35 a year, no commercials, I can pick my music, I can find my comedy without having to watch any commercial messaging or listen to it. I love it. Other friends swear by Spotify, Amazon Music. There's so much stuff we can do to screen out marketing messages. 25% of all people have ad-blocking software on their desktops and laptops. 15% of all people have put those onto their smartphones. So how is this relevant? Well, think about this. If the people you're trying to sell your loans to or get interested in your real estate are not responding to marketing, if they're really hiding from it, how do you sell to them? How do you break through this clutter, what they see as clutter, and get them to focus on what it is that you're offering? Well, the answer is actually the same as it's always been. At the end of the day, what gets people to buy is the relationship. It's the relationship they have with you as a loan officer or as a real estate agent that convinces them to choose you versus your competitor. It's the quality of that relationship that ensures that they come back to you when it's time for a new home purchase or they refer you out when someone in their network needs a home. It cost me $150,000 to learn this lesson because I did what I should have done before I spent all that money on advertising that didn't work. We started asking our clients how they found us, and what I discovered is the vast majority of our clients were people who had purchased from us before, had a good enough experience that they were coming back in. Our second leading category, people who were being referred in by our happy clientele. Advertising was barely registered on something that drew people into our showroom. That caused me to say, hey, everything I learned in business school didn't make any sense. When I went to business school, I learned that it's all about advertising. It's all about attracting people through paying for their attention. I had no relationship building classes in business school. I went to a very good business school. I talked to other friends who've gone to business school. They don't teach relationship building anywhere in America. They don't teach it in business school. They don't teach it in law school. They don't teach it in medical school. They don't teach it in any professional school. But when you think about what is the core of business, Unless you participate in an amazing program like this one, you don't learn about the power of relationship building to fuel your businesses. 
After wasting this money, I decided that I would focus on the relationship. We would give people a much better customer experience in our stores. We committed to spend more money on customer service training. We committed to communicate with our customers in a creative way on an ongoing basis. What happened? Over the course of five years, our sales went up 300% and our marketing expenditures went down. And truth be told, I had so much fun doing this relationship-building piece of the business that I decided that managing furniture inventory, managing retail workers who didn't want to come in on Sundays, that wasn't my bag. I wanted to go into helping companies grow through relationships. So in 2002, I started the Galvanizing Group to help companies build better relationships. What I learned when I talked to others was this is how they were growing their businesses. So these are stories. The Connector's Way is a story. Is it borne out in truth if you look at numbers? Relationships really do fuel success. Every day in our country, there are 2.4 billion conversations, most of them in the real world, where people are talking about products and services and companies that they like and dislike. What's fueling these conversations more than anything else are people going out into their networks, whether they're buying for themselves individually or whether they're making purchases for their companies. They are relying upon their network to give them recommendations on what to buy. Why are they doing this? Because inherently we trust what the people who we know, like, and trust tell us about companies more than any form of paid marketing. A trust level of 84% is what referrals clock in at in terms of our trustworthiness about that information. Compare that to advertising. There's a huge differential. People even trust the reviews that they read on Google and Yelp and on any review site more than any form of marketing. And if you're wondering, well, is it relevant to me as a realtor or as a loan officer? Absolutely. The National Association of Realtors in the final quarter of 2016 came out with their whole profile of home buyers and sellers. It's free. It's available online. And I cherry-picked just two data points to put on this slide to show how important referrals are for realtors. For you realtors in the room, how many of your sellers are recommending you three or more times after you help them with the transaction, either on the buy or sell side? Imagine how your business could be revolutionary, how it could grow in a revolutionary way if you could boost your percentage from 33% to 50% or 76% or whatever you want. With a focus on relationships, whether you're a loan officer or a realtor, it can be an absolute game changer. So that's the big picture that I'm thinking about today. How does it apply to the connector's way? First of all, how many of you have read the book out of curiosity? That warms my heart. When you write a book, you sit around. I, I, I like to go to a library, so I'm writing this book, and I'm thinking, someday I hope people read this thing. So to be able to ask that question and see you raise your hands, to everyone who raised your hands, thank you very much. It means a ton to me. Uh, I, like Rick, love business parables. This book did not start as a business parable book. This book started as a nonfiction book on building relationships. And it's never a good sign as an author if you get about 10 pages into your book writing it and you're kind of bored by the content. And that's where I was. And then I started thinking about the books I enjoy. I'm friends with Patrick Lencioni, who wrote The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. I'm a big fan of Bob Berg, who wrote The Go-Giver. Um, I love business parables. Og Mandino is a fantastic writer. And I figured I could tell this 
story that I believe in and that I've seen happen over and over again about the power of business relationship building through a parable. So for those of you who have not read this book, it's a story about a business owner, not mortgage or real estate, he's insurance, but it's a relationship-based business, and how through a series of rather fortuitous events, he comes across great connectors, builds relationships with them, learns a better way to grow his business. It's a very simple story. Now, the subtitle of this book, A Story About Building Business One Relationship at a Time, the best proof of concept I have that that is a true statement is the reason why I'm standing here today. So last year, Guild Mortgage Company in my hometown of Portland, Oregon, asked if I would come in and talk about business relationship building. Happy to do it. Whenever I speak to a company, I want to know what's going on with people at the company, so I asked to talk to a cross-section of loan officers in terms of their experience, their relationship-building abilities, where they wanted to take their businesses, and I interviewed each one of them. One of the loan officers who received my book is with us in this room, uh, Cammy Wittron, who's a new core coach. Congratulations, Cammy, on becoming a core coach. Cammy <laughs> read the book and said, this is great, this would be fantastic for my referral partners. So she got 80 books to send out to realtors, and then she sent one book to this guy named Rick Ruby. I love the name. Now I love the guy, because I'm here. And Rick is the Oprah of the mortgage loan industry. <laughs> he really is. Because when Rick says, read a book, people read the book. And I have been delighted with that reality. It has been absolutely fantastic. So the funny thing about the story is it was one book going to Tammy, and then she passed it on to one other person. More than 2,500 copies I can attribute directly being sold because of the core. 2,500 copies. The very same time that I sent that book to Tammy, and this goes to show that our old habits die hard, I had started a Facebook campaign for the book. And because I'm an MBA, you always think you're smarter than you really are. Because I'm an MBA, I went into Facebook, and I said, I'm going to dial in the demographics. I know who our readers are going to be. I know exactly how to make this succeed through advertising on Facebook. Spent hundreds of dollars advertising the book on Facebook. Number of sales obtained via Facebook? Goose egg. Zero. One book to one person, lots of money to Facebook, huge differential. It really is all about the relationship. So for those of you who've read this book, you know that the culmination are seven rules for building business one relationship at a time. I am not a very creative person. There's nothing fictional in this fictional book. Everything that you read in the connector's way actually happened to me or happened to a friend or one of our clients. And I thought the most useful thing I could do with the time I have with you this afternoon is to share with you some of those real-world stories, and I'm going to peg them to the seven rules for building business, one relationship at a time. So the first rule is if you want to build your business through relationship, it starts with you. You've got to nurture yourself your body, and your mind to create that energy and enthusiasm that attracts people to you. Now, as a writer, you write things down that sound very eloquent and what have you, simple. It's easier to write that than to do it. In 2010, I had a great year by some measures and a really tough year by others. 2010, I became a dad for the first time. Very exciting experience. Our daughter brings us tremendous joy. And this may sound funny to all you parents out there, 
but I had no idea that it would change my life so much as it did. That I'd be waking up in the middle of the night, that my wife and I wouldn't have as much time to talk to one another as grown-ups. It was stressful. 2010, if you remember back to that year, we were mired in the Great Recession. Aside from speaking and writing, I have a marketing communications company. One of the first things people cut in a recession, marketing. We lost our two best clients. Our revenue in 2010 was half of what it was in 2009. I was stressed out with fatherhood. I was stressed out with a business that was kind of reminiscent of what was happening in the connector's way. So it sprung from the heart. My wife, who works with me in the business, was smart enough to notice that I stopped doing something that she thought would help me if I re-engaged. And it was running. I had stopped exercising. I didn't think I had time to exercise given the time responsibilities of being a dad, being the problems we were having in the business. I stopped exercising. That certainly didn't help my stress levels. My wife said, you've got to get out there and start running again. She was right. I started running, and within just a couple of months, so many of these worries that I thought were insurmountable, all of a sudden I started finding solutions. So running is good for me, swimming, going to the gym, just being physically engaged. Now, I've shared the story with a lot of people, and they say, well, you know, I don't have time for it, but it's necessary to make the time. And the good news is, the new exercise science that's been coming out in the last year shows you can gain as much in 10 minutes of aerobic activity, be it running, swimming, Stairmaster, elliptical, whatever your passion is or what you can put up with. Um, you just spend 10 minutes on that and three 20-second intervals of sprinting during those 10 minutes, you get the same benefit as if you exercise for 40 or 50 minutes. Look it up on Google. It's very interesting. So there's no excuse not to exercise. The other thing that nurtured my body in an amazing way that really helped my relationship building ability, because what happened when I, when I started doing this is my energy levels returned and I started getting out there and connecting more. Nothing happens behind the desk. Nothing happens behind the desk. And when you are low energy because you're not exercising, it's very easy to make excuses not to meet with your clients, not to meet with your prospects. The number of meetings I had is really what turned our business around. And I know that Rick talks about a certain number that you all need to meet if you're in one of his students, and it's, it's right on. I mean, that's where it is. So you need the energy to do that. One of the things that was sapping me of energy was an addiction to a white substance. I'm wondering what some of you might be thinking. It wasn't cocaine. It was this. I, I, if I'm going to stay true to the way you say this, I am a sugar addict. I love sugar. But I don't consume sugar anymore by adding it into my food. The average American consumes 129 pounds of added sugar a year. That is an incredible amount of sugar. If you took 129 pounds of sugar, converted into those little cubes and stacked them up end over end, it would be 773 feet tall. Taller than a 77-story building is what most of us put into our bodies. A day wasn't a good day for me unless I had about six teaspoons of sugar in my three cups of coffee. And it wasn't a great day unless I had a bowl of ice cream at the end. I was 35 pounds heavier a year ago. Stopped doing the white stuff dropped 30 pounds almost immediately, stayed off the white stuff, and the pounds have kept off. How is that relevant to relationship building? Where is this guy going with this? I hear you. I'll tell you what. If you have something that you're addicted to, and in my case it was sugar, and you stop it, and you see a transformation in your body, 
and you see a return of energy from not having this fake energy that a substance might provide for us, when you do that, it gives you an incredible sense of confidence, self-esteem. This year, I have been targeting bigger fish than I have ever targeted in my business, bigger companies, bigger people, because I have a much higher degree of self-confidence for being lighter, for having gained control over something that controlled me. It's the little things that we do that can have such a dramatic impact on our relationship building ability. And it's not just what we do for our body. It's what we do for our minds. So I'll show you something that if I were sitting in the audience watching me present five years ago, I would have laughed. Oops. Especially because I advanced the wrong slide too fast. But I would have laughed if you saw a guy meditating. I thought this was way too California for me. I was born in California. I saw people who meditated as just looking at their own navel. I didn't really understand what this is about. Every day now, for me, before I start work, starts with 10 minutes of focused non-attention to anything. I'm trying not to think about anything for 10 minutes. Not looking at my phone, not looking at texts, not looking at emails. Why do I do this? Because we fill our mind with so much clutter. We have so much stuff pinging around in our head. What this has done for me in terms of relationship building is when I start my day with a much fresher mind and I start talking to my clients and my prospects, I'm actually listening to them. I'm not listening to all this madness that's whirling around my head. I'm focused on what they're saying. I'm trying to figure out how I might be of service to them, how I might help them. Without this, I get distracted too easily. It's a very simple practice. Ten minutes a day of just some simple mindfulness can change your life. Part of embracing this was embracing something else that I thought was way too California for me. A gratitude journal. I kid you not. Someone told me I should do one of these about seven years ago, and I laughed. I said, that is such a waste of time. I have a small business. I don't have time to write down what I'm grateful for. There was an article in the New York Times about six years ago. A professor at UC Davis did a gratitude study. He took a group of people, and he said, once a week, for five to ten minutes, I want you to just write down five things that you're grateful for. One sentence for each thing that you're grateful for. That's it, one sentence. He had another group. Don't keep a gratitude journal. Just same old, same old. Then he started looking at their mental health over a period of months. Within two months, the people who kept the gratitude journal were healthier, happier, and more optimistic. The non-gratitude journal people, no change in their mental health situation. This is my gratitude journal you see there on the screen. It's been revolutionary. Being grateful is something most of us don't spend enough time doing. This is a forced exercise of gratitude. I am healthier, happier, more optimistic because of this. But more importantly, from a relationship-building standpoint, when you have a practice of being grateful on a regular basis, when you start talking to people, you start saying the two most important words in the English language a lot more often, which is thank you. We don't get enough appreciation. You keep a gratitude journal, you start saying thank you more to your significant other. My wife is a lot happier with me now than she was before. And I'm getting a lot more referrals because I'm manifesting gratitude outwards and it's bringing me back business opportunities, better personal relationships. So that's rule number one. They're not all going to be this long. And this is my family. And this is actually part of nurturing my, my mind. 
Uh, you know, we spend 15 minutes on average on Facebook in America. We spend, we spend three hours on television. It's amazing. If it comes to building relationships, and we can't build relationships with our families because we say we don't have time for it. You go into restaurants and you see people sitting around with their kids and spouses and everyone's on their cell phone or on their, their tablet, and they're not talking to each other. You see good friends doing the same thing. It just makes me wonder, if we can't connect with the people who we are most connected to, if we're always alone together, how are we going to connect with clients and prospects? These habits start at home. They start with our friends. We've got to make time for it. Second rule from the connector's way. It's so important to seek out individuals who expose you to new ways of thinking. Sounds simple. Some people are really good at this. I have a very good friend. When I was in my furniture world days, there was one guy who was in a business group with me, of business owners from all sorts of different companies and industries, and he was an amazing connector. I saw him getting leads and opportunities out of his participation in the group that made me very jealous. I wasn't getting these same opportunities. And I asked him what his secret was. And he said, you know, Patrick, it's funny you're asking me that question because shortly before you joined the group, I almost dropped out. And I said, well, what changed for you? And he said, well, for me, I realized that the problem was me. I was showing up to this monthly meeting of business owners and in his words, hanging out with the same school of fish. His friends, the people who he knew, felt comfortable with, he wasn't stretching himself to meet new people. And he said, I just imagined, how might it be different if I had a simple rule that I wouldn't go to one of our monthly meetings unless I met at least five new people? He called it his rule of five. And he said, because he's an overachiever, he ended up meeting about 80 people that he would not have met that year were it not for that rule. Some of them were members of the group he had never talked to, or guests visiting the group for the first time, or speakers or panelists coming into the group. And he said that out of those 80 people, some simply became acquaintances, a smaller number became friends, an even smaller number became clients, and to this day, his very best client was somebody he met because he jumped out of his little fishbowl of known connections and connected with somebody new. When we go out in the world and we make it an objective to always be looking to make new connections, amazing things happen. But oftentimes, this doesn't happen enough for people. So, a few months ago, I went to a gala dinner, one of these fundraising things, and there was a table of eight with an empty chair. And I walk up to the chair and I say, hey, would you mind if I sit here? And everyone from the table, by all means, please join us. They waved me into the chair. They seemed really happy to see me. Wasn't sure why they were so happy, but they were really happy. And then in about a minute, I realized what was going on was I was fresh blood because everyone at that table worked for Wells Fargo. And as I looked around the room, this big gala dinner, everybody was sitting at the table with their people. How often do we go out into the world and just sit with our own tribe? When we stretch ourselves to meet new people, that's really where the fantastic things happen. And they can oftentimes happen in very unexpected places. Any Rotarians in the audience? I am so happy to see that. I love the Rotary Club. So when I was in college, I had a scholarship that allowed me to study in Brazil for a year. A Rotary scholarship. And I knew that someday I wanted to be a Rotarian. Now, my reason for joining the Rotary Club was I completely buy into that organization's mission of service above self. 
And there's a lot of other great groups out there, service groups that do wonderful things in their communities. I happen to be a Rotarian, but Lions and all these other great groups are fantastic. I joined purely for service reasons. I've met some of the most amazing people over the last five years I know. I went to the international convention in Brazil a couple years ago. I now have friends in more than 100 different countries, people I met there. I got so many business ideas and inspiration from the people I met at this international convention. And the funny thing is, when you join a service group and you commit to its cause, you serve on a regular basis, you give back to your community, as people see your work ethic, how committed you are to make the community a better place, they come to respect you. They come to know you. The very best business leads I've gotten in the last five years have not been through the Word of Mouth Marketing Association, the American Marketing Association, places you would expect the marketer to hang out in. The best business leads for me have come through Rotary. I am here today, really, because of Rotary. Because five years ago, a Rotarian recommended me to someone at lawyer's title who knew somebody at Guild who was looking for a speaker. I never even thought I would speak to mortgage people. I had no idea what you guys did. That happened because of Rotary, and I could share story after story. So when you go out in the world and you're seeking out new connections, follow your heart, and through your heart are going to come some fantastic opportunities for you. The third rule. It's so important to ask how you can be of service to people who you're connected to. One of my role models in the speaking world is Zig Ziglar. Of all of his quotes, and he's got some great soundbite-type quotes, I love this one. You can have everything in life you want if you're just going to help enough other people get what they want. Simple wisdom. The best stuff that we can guide our lives by is the simplest stuff, and Rick does such a good job with it. Zig Ziglar sure did with this quote. I have seen this work for people time and time again. So when the book came out last year, there's a realtor I know who I met through a business networking group that he started. It was a business networking community service group. So he called me up, as he does a few times a year, and says, Patrick, how's it going? I said, it's great, Jeff. Things are going well. I just wrote this book. He goes, oh, tell me about the book. And I share with him you know, the story on the connector's way. And he goes, send me a book. I, I think I know some people who might be interested in So he reads it, and he is very active in one of the biggest high-level networking groups in my city of Portland. And he says, Patrick, what I'd like to do is buy 100 copies of your book and have you come in and speak to our group. There are a lot of realtors who call on us, sort of checking in to see if we might be selling a home. or just, You could tell it's business-oriented. Jeff honestly was looking for a way to help me. It was truly from his heart. When I look at the register of the top real estate agents in Portland, his team is always at the top. When I look at the other top performing agents, they're also the givers. I'm going to show some of their examples in just a bit. If you really want to grow, it's a lot easier to just ask people how you can help them. And ultimately, it'll come back to you. Uh, I learned that firsthand when I graduated from business school. My first job was going to South America. I worked for an industrial filtration company. I'd be traveling down to South America on an airplane, and I'd meet all these other people who had products and services from America that they were trying to sell into South America. And everyone was really frustrated, for the most part, on these flights, because it was trip number three to Argentina, and they had a long way to go. And no one was signing up to be their distributors. And no one knew what was going on. I was very lucky that in business school, there was a South American professor who told me, look, if you want to sell in South America, and this advice holds true, I think, for the whole world, is just ask people how you can help them out. So those South American potential distributors 
They didn't care about the technology behind our super sophisticated industrial filters. They had no interest until they knew who I was, knew what my family was about, what I liked to do. And then when they were comfortable with me as an individual, they wanted to know about my company, the ethics of our company founders, why they did what they did. And then they wanted me to go to their trade shows, sit in their booths, talk to their clients, figure out if there might be some way I could help them. That groundwork of getting to know people by asking how you can be of service, to this day, that filtration company's core distribution group in South America are people that we had this long romance with through just talking and getting to know each other on an individual basis. People think that South Americans are different. They're not. People are people. We do business with those who we know, like, and trust. It's, it, makes, it makes a world of difference. The fourth rule for the connector's way on building business one relationship at a time is just serve others without thinking, what's in it for me? Just be a giver. In my Rotary Club, the gentleman that you see on the left is a very successful attorney. He's built a great legal practice. He's very expansive when it comes to who might be a good Rotarian. He takes someone's pulse, and if it's beating, they're a good Rotarian in waiting. Seriously, he's looking for people who want to serve. And what's so remarkable about him is I was our membership chair for two years. He brought in 40% of our new members, single-handedly in a club of almost 300 Rotarians. What did he do that was so different? Well, first of all, he was asking for people to come join us and check us out. But more importantly, when he brought somebody to our meeting, he would walk that person around the big hotel ballroom, and it's in the connector's way, actually. He's a real person. He'd walk people around the ballroom, introducing them to Rotarians that he thought would be a strategic interest to them, either personally or professionally. And he wouldn't just introduce them. He would build them up and let that Rotarian he was introducing his guest to know what a special person this guest was. When you receive the Mike Sandoval red carpet treatment, you want to join the Rotary Club of Portland. It's a pretty awesome experience. How often have you really been introduced well by somebody? So whatever, whatever group you go in, if you become the master introducer, it's going to benefit that group and your own career in this incredible way. Now, what Mike does in the real world at Rotary, we can do in the online world. If you only have five minutes a month for social media and you want to get business out of it, what you see there on the left is a LinkedIn recommendation form. You can go to anyone's picture on LinkedIn, and next to their picture there's a little pull-down bar, and you can pull it down to recommend this person, click on that, and then write a heartfelt recommendation for that individual. This is one I did for my realtor friend, Jeff. I should have done this a long time ago. In true confession here, I wanted a graphic for my PowerPoint presentation. So I wrote a recommendation, I took a screenshot of it so I could drop it into my PowerPoint. And of course, I meant every word I said, so I hit send. Within less than a day, I get a call from Jeff saying, it meant the world to me. He was choked up. He's got 35 recommendations on LinkedIn. He told me he was, I was only the second person who recommended him without him having to ask for it. When is the last time somebody has recommended you on LinkedIn and you didn't have to ask for it? How did it make you feel? It's these little things that we can do for people that make a huge difference. Social media gives us an incredible opportunity to serve. What you see there on the right are recommendations I wrote for my insurance agent. Insurance agents are in a relationship business. If you want to have a good relationship with your insurance agent, write them a recommendation on Google. Google reviews are critical. We're going to see in just a bit how important they are. 
Review them on Yelp. Very important. A lot of insurance agents drive business out of Yelp. I know a lot of realtors do too. These are little, simple, low-hanging fruit things that we can do that make a huge difference in the social capital we develop with people in our network. We can go into LinkedIn when we have five or ten minutes to spare and click on the notifications tab and see all these amazing things that are happening with our connections. New jobs they're taking, new companies they're going to work for, cool articles they write, birthdays, what have you. LinkedIn gives us cues on what to do. Say congratulations to this new realtor, what have you. It's okay to use this. If you do click on any of these things, please don't use the default language. There's way too much of that going on in LinkedIn. Way too many, I'd like to add you to my professional network. Way too many, say congrats, and the person sends a note, congratulations. Take a moment, customize how you interact with people using the social media tools, but actually do better than this. Do better than this. Interact in a human way. So you can go into Facebook and see the birthdays of everybody who you're connected to on Facebook. A good realtor friend of mine uh, who works for Windermere Real Estate in Portland, he called me on my birthday to sing me happy birthday. He's got a terrible singing voice. I cut him off after the first stanza. I, think it, I actually think he does it on purpose because he wants to be cut off. Very time efficient. I got one phone call that year singing me happy birthday over the phone. I know a lot of realtors. That made an impact on me. He took the time to connect with me in a human way. The magic of social media and digital is when we tie it back into improving the quality of our real-world relationships. So reach out personally. I'll give you a technology tip right now. The best app you can put on your phone comes pre-installed. It's called Voice. Use it. People aren't calling each other anymore. Call somebody up when you see that they got promoted, when you see that on LinkedIn. Say, my goodness, they should have promoted you a long time ago. They finally came to their senses and put you in the position you deserve to be in. Celebrate people's successes in the real world. Use the digital stuff to give you cues. And if the person you're talking to is a breakfast person, invite them out to breakfast. They like coffee, have coffee with them. Meet with folks personally. People are not doing this stuff anymore. It's amazing to me that you can write a book about it and people say, wow, I should be doing more of that because this is the way it used to be. It hasn't stopped working. It's just that a lot of people have stopped doing it. So if you are one of the doers, it'll make a difference for you. And if you don't have time to actually meet with people, send them a note. Becoming a connector of your connections is a very powerful thing. And you can use social media to help you with this. So let's say you're a realtor and you know an insurance agent and, um, I don't know, mortgage broker. Invite them together over lunch. Get them together. What happens, and this is powerful, is maybe they make a personal connection, maybe they make a professional connection, but it really doesn't matter to you. Because the fact that you brought them together puts you in a very different place in their mind than all the other people they know who never do this. When's the last, somebody, the last time somebody has invited you and somebody else to a lunch, a dinner, a happy hour, or something like that? It stands out. I was speaking to an attorney friend of mine. I suggested this to her about a year ago. I ran into her and she says, this has transformed her life. She's an introvert. She doesn't like one-on-one -on -one meetings. She feels uncomfortable. But she knows a lot of people, she says, who should know each other. She brings them together over lunch. And no matter what happens with that lunch, she always gets these really effusive thank yous for having been the facilitator of that connection. She has grown her practice area for her firm significantly just from having this three-way lunch idea 
and implementing it on a regular basis. So I don't know if in your markets you get the Dos Equis commercials. You guys all kind of know what I'm talking about here. So this is a great marketing campaign that Dos Equis Beer has, where they have this very debonair guy who goes on to the com- in the commercials. He talks about how great he is and his wonderful life and his conquests and his travels. And it's very funny. He's super over the top. And at the end, it's, of course, says Dos Equis. The, the reason why I have this up here is we live in a world with lots of Dos Equis men and women. There are a lot of people out there who are always trying to be the most interesting folks in the room. It's a social malaise, I think, that we suffer as a society. The rewards for relationship builders come from being the most interested people in the room. We don't have to toot our own horn. People don't get recognized enough for what they do. So I was on Facebook recently. Lori Lane is a friend of mine through Rotary. She's a great realtor. She has a beautiful Facebook page. Most realtors now have beautiful Facebook pages. They might have someone on their team focused on creating content for them. I know that if I go on to Facebook and review Lori, and I spoke about her as being a co-Rotarian, the fantastic things she does in the community, that that means something to her. It's valuable for her clients to see that. How many people do you know who have a really great social media presence that don't get validated enough? And I think each one of us can think of a lot of people like that. It's way easier to validate other people's content than to create your own. So whether they're on Facebook or Instagram or Pinterest or Twitter or if they blog or have a YouTube channel, just like what they do. Share what they do with your network and comment on things. Give back. Serve them by recognizing what they're doing. And it'll come back to you in in abundance. A lot of people don't do this stuff because they say they don't have time for it. Uh, it's busy right now. Rates are, rates are low. Got a lot of refi work. Don't have time for all this relationship building. Too time consuming. You know, I think the biggest reason why people don't do this stuff is they don't allocate time. You guys are different. You're in the core. You have accountability. And that's really where the magic happens. A lot of people, though, should just adopt simple techniques. I'm a big fan of the Pomodoro technique. Came out in the 1980s. A, uh, a time management guru named Francisco Cirillo in Italy, in Italy wrote this book called The Pomodoro Technique. And in it, he argues that we can't multitask, that that's a myth. He was ahead of his time. Stanford University has been testing its undergrads, and they've discovered that these some of the most brainiac kids in America who think they're amazing multitaskers, they can't multitask either. Their grades drop when they're trying to do their homework and they're on social media and they're texting friends. They can't do it. None of us can do it. The mind is not wired that way. So if you're not spending time on LinkedIn as a place to develop business and develop relationships, it's because you haven't allocated time effectively. 25 minutes a week is all you need to do to turn LinkedIn into a big business driver for you. And start there, because I think for professionals, that's a great place to start. What can you do in 25 minutes? A ton, as long as you're not doing other things like emailing, talking on the phone, or doing all these other activities. In 25 minutes, you can recommend somebody. You can respond to people who invite you into their networks in an authentic way. You can reach out to people you want to connect to, and you actually send them a message on why you want to connect to them. You could see what they're doing by clicking on the notifications tab and calling them up on the phone. You can do an amazing amount of stuff in 25 minutes. And if you start doing it on LinkedIn, I think you're going to become addicted to this. Because I answer my email this way. 25 minutes in the morning. 25 minutes midday, 25 minutes at the end of the day, and I don't have it turned on for the rest of the day. It's putting things in compartments and doing them. This has been a game changer for me. 
So if you are building relationships the right way, um, you may think that's enough. You've got to go beyond and really exceed expectations here. So it's the little stuff. It's that first encounter that makes all the difference. Some institutions and individuals get this really well. Umpqua Bank is in my neck of the woods in Portland, Oregon. You walk into any of their 350 branches in Oregon, Washington, Nevada, California. They have a phone, a silver phone, that says, let's talk next to it. And if you hit the number key on that phone, it rings in the office of the president. He will pick up the phone. And if he doesn't pick up the phone, his assistant will. And that person will be there to help you out. That person's knowledgeable, friendly, and helpful. They don't have receptionists. They have directors of first impressions. They understand that people form impressions of business within the first five to 15 seconds. And once that's locked in, it's not going to change. We, are, we have to be our own directors of first impressions. If we want to have good long-term relationships with people, we've got to make sure that in that short first five to 15 second burst, whether they're calling us on the phone, coming into our offices, sending us a web form that, we're, that we reply to or our teams reply to, that we have to be friendly, knowledgeable, and helpful on a consistent basis. My friend Anthony Sandberg has the biggest sailing school in North America. More sailboats than anybody else, more classes than any other school. He's not in the business of selling sailing lessons or renting sailboats. He's in the business of building friendships. He's a big follower of the frog methodology Michael Maher talked about in his, in his book, The Seven Levels of Communication. It's talk to people about their family, talk to them about their recreational passions, talk to them about their jobs, not what they do, but why they do it. People love giving you the backstory on why they do what they do. And talk to them about their goals, not just mortgage and real estate, but just overall life goals. When you connect with people on that level, you're doing something that your competitors don't do for the most part. When you do these things, the results come back to you. Anthony has a retention rate for his members that is 20% higher than the rest of the industry. Why? Because he doesn't have members. He has friends that happen to do business with him. This is a mindset I think we can all benefit from. Realtors get this, the good ones. So these are three examples from Portland of great relationship builders. That birthday card in the upper left-hand corner, our buyer's agent sends us a birthday card individually. I get one, my wife gets one, my, my daughter gets one. That's actually his handwriting. So we've been getting these now. We bought our home in 2004. We get these three times a year. He sends us handwritten other cards, Thanksgiving, Valentine's Day. My wife will not refer any other realtor because of this card. It's a $5 gift, gift card he puts in there. That card has bought her loyalty. It's these little things that we can do that make a huge difference. Right-hand side is a client appreciation party for another realtor I know, my friend Jeff. He does big events, he does small events, but he just does things that exceed what I would expect a realtor would do for clients. I've given him a few referrals over the years, but I've been to some of the most awesome parties thanks to him. He stays on the top of my radar in large part because of his appreciation events are so memorable. And then reach out to your business network, too. It's not just about your buyers and the people who work with you on loans, but reach out to the other professionals you know. That's a realtor in the lower left-hand corner who, every quarter now, she wants to get together her business network and have the network with one another. She wants to be the connector of her connections. She's finding great success with this, but as far as I know, she's the only realtor who does something that's not for clients, but for people in her professional network, and she benefits. So these little things we do that exceed expectations make a big difference. My mortgage guy, before I, before I knew Tammy, Tammy is now my mortgage person by far and away, so she's beat this guy out. But before I knew Tammy, 
this guy stood out from all the other mortgage loan officers I've dealt with and that he connected with me, with me personally. So I got this card in the mail from him, and in it was a baseball card worth 25 cents. He sent me a San Francisco Giants card from 1981 because when he talked to me, we learned that we both loved the San Francisco Giants growing up. And he sent me this card saying, Patrick, I was in a baseball card store with my son, couldn't resist. And he put that card right in that, um, in that envelope. That card cost him maybe a quarter. He's probably gotten at least $10,000 worth of income as a result of referrals I've made to him. I would say that's a pretty good return on investment. A lot of people don't think this way. I've known a lot of loan officers who I've actually done transactions with. I can't even tell you their names right now because there was no connection point. So if you can find something remarkable, it doesn't have to be much, but find a way to stand out and people are going to remember you for a lifetime and refer you for a lifetime. The sixth rule on building business one relationship at a time is it's so important. If you've done things right and you have grown a relationship-based business, to realize that you have earned the right to lean on your network a little bit. People want to serve the folks who they know. So if you've done things right, you have to let people know how they can help you succeed. Some people are good at this. My friend Jeff, who's with Keller Williams in Portland, when you look at his Google page, and I say Google because 65% of all Internet search right now is on Google, 91% of all people don't go beyond page one on Google. When you Google yourself and your team or your group, what will come up is that little box on the right, and right at the very top of that box, below your picture and your map, you see stars, your Google reviews. A lot of loan officers and realtors don't have enough. Or, even worse, they're not monitoring this so the reviews they have are negative ones from the tweaked clientele. You need to lean on that network that you've built up through good relationships, and as part of your closing process with them, make sure that they put a review about your business onto Google. And for that matter, maybe onto Zillow, maybe onto Yelp, because when you're on page one on Google, look at all the places where the stars pop up. How do the stars align for you? If they're not aligning for you, it doesn't mean that it couldn't be this way. You just need to lean on your network to ask and make sure that that happens. Jeff understands it's not just about his business. It's about him. We all have to manage our own reviews. Why is this so important? Well, think about the way Hollywood sells movies. They don't go lean on their copywriting team saying, write this copy saying this is the best movie of all time. No, they, they go into the reviews that have been given on their movies, and they quote the two thumbs up or the adjectives that the critics say. As professionals, we need to think like this. We can write super flowery language about how wonderful we are. It's not credible. It's why people go to friends for referrals. They don't trust what you write. They want to go onto your LinkedIn page and see your clients saying that you are the best loan officer that they've ever experienced or the best realtor. That doesn't usually happen organically. Jeff has over 35 LinkedIn reviews. I was only the second person who did it without him asking for it. So if you don't have a lot of reviews, go out there and ask. Don't do it all at once. It's not credible. So you want to spot in those positive reviews over time. It's not believable if you go out and get lots of reviews. So just put it on your calendar to do once a quarter, to go out and get a few reviews, to fill out your profile. And the last thing you should be leaning on, of course, getting referrals. Getting more referrals for your business. This is not happening enough for anyone out there, I think. 
And I didn't know the answer to why this was occurring. The number one question that I was asked when we started our business is, Patrick, you know, we have a great product, a fantastic service, but we're not getting so many referrals. Why? I didn't know at all until I went to a word-of-mouth marketing association. There's an association for everything. A word-of-mouth marketing association conference, and a professor gets up, and he shared this really interesting stat. And that was 50%. 50% of all people, in order to make a referral, have to be specifically asked for one. I said, ah, that's way too obvious. I'm an MBA. That can't be that simple. Always have to look for the complicated answer. I came back from that conference, started having a conversation with my clientele, and I discovered that asking really was all it took. The very first person I went to was the owner of the sailing school. I said, Anthony, we're looking to grow. He said, are you kidding? Are you asking for a referral? I said, yeah. He goes, I thought you guys were fully booked up. I thought you had more business than you can handle. You're a small company. You do good work. I figured if you weren't asking, you didn't need business. Exactly what the professor said. It changed my life. That quarter, I got three referrals out of that sailing guy. I had more referrals than I ever had simply because I started having the conversation. Kind of an embarrassing confession to make as a marketing person that I wasn't asking. Now, I've shared this story a lot in speeches, and people will come up to me afterwards saying, well, it's okay for you. You're a speaker. You're kind of a sales guy. It seems kind of pushy to me. It's not my style to ask for referrals. Look, if you don't ask for referrals, you're cheating people in your network out of the opportunity to refer business to you because you're awesome. You do great loan work. You're a fantastic realtor. You have to ask. Your team has to ask because if they're not asking, they're just leaving dollars on the table. And the key to asking is when you tell people in your network that you love doing business with them, and you're very explicit laying out what it is about that relationship that you particularly like, well, you know what? You might get an immediate referral. You might plant a seed for a referral a few months down the road. Or maybe you never get a referral from that individual. But when it comes time for that person to buy or sell a home or to do a refi on their loan work, and you've elevated them like that, who do you think they're going to go back to? Having the conversation is really what it's all about. I've got just a few more minutes here. If you are having the conversation, the seventh step from the connector's way, absolutely essential, is showing gratitude. Gertrude Stein wrote, silent gratitude is not much use to anybody, but we live in a world of a lot of silent gratitude. We refer out a lot of folks who we don't hear back from when they get those people calling them. I hate that. And my inclination to refer business to somebody who doesn't respond when they hear from that person I referred, never to refer again. I don't want that to happen to me. So I have a methodology of gratitude. Number one, I want to meet with that person who referred business to me on their terms. They're a coffee person over coffee, over lunch, whatever they want. Now, we live in a busy world. A lot of folks don't have time for this, or my client is far away. So I can't meet. Using that, that great app on the phone, voice, I like to pick it up and say, thank you for the referral. You can hear gratitude. You can hear a smile on the phone. The other thing that you can do is, I don't care how good you are at Google, when you get a referral from somebody and you call that individual who referred that person to you and you ask, well, what's their history with other loan officers? Or what might be going on in their financial background that might present some challenges for getting a loan? You can get some intelligence that you're not going to find out online. And now you can kind of do some pre-thinking before you call that referred person, and your chances of, of, of turning a referral into a client dramatically escalate from having a conversation. The last thing, send a note. Whether you are meeting face-to-face or calling somebody on the phone, send a note. Very old school. I've sent out 1,500 thank you notes over the last five years. 
I make them personal. It takes time. But I can attribute the bulk of my business to people who I thanked for a referral who came back and referred more business to me or just improved the relationship. I used to buy all my suits from Nordstrom. Every time I went to Nordstrom, there's a great sales guy, fantastic, always sent me a personal note. After I got back home, I would get it a few days later. One day I show up, he's not there, have a great experience, no note. Six months later, I go back to Nordstrom, great experience, different sales guy, no note. I haven't been back to Nordstrom in five years. They send me beautiful catalogs. They have fantastic radio ads. They have great TV. But I don't feel the love. I don't feel the point of connection anymore with that business. And that could be happening to you. You need to have a methodology, a methodology of gratitude and take it to the next level. If someone refers a great piece of business to you, the best thing you can do is don't send them whatever the program gift is that you usually send out. Call that client's significant other and say, hey, where does, that, where, where does that person like to eat? I got a call like that. This is a restaurant in Portland, Oregon. A, a fellow speaker uh, is somebody I referred business to. She called up my wife and got referred to this Italian restaurant. I'd never been there. My wife and I go have this lovely meal thanks to this super generous gift certificate the speaker sent me because of a referral. We toast to her success. And who do you think I'm referring out the most now? She took the time to customize appreciation for me. It's the little things that we do that make a huge difference. It's the little things that we do. My final minute, it's perfect to end on appreciation. It's really where it's, where, that's what it's about. I appreciate your time today and that uh, there's a lot of other places you can be. I appreciated being with you yesterday. And the Connector's Way is a, is a really simple story. Um, it's not rocket science. At the end of the story, the, the main character in The Connector's Way comes away with this understanding that really people want to do business with and refer business to those who they know, like, and trust. It's as simple as that. Yet we make things way too complicated. I went down that expensive advertising road. I know a lot of other people who've gone down that road. If we really want to succeed in business, keep it simple. There's seven rules. I think they're good ones. I wrote them down. But I bet you you have others. I bet you you know great relationship builders. See what they're doing and copy it. Because really, business isn't complicated. If you go with this relationship-centric mentality for building your business, I have no doubt that whatever astronomical goals you set for yourselves, and I know you guys set some really big ones here in the core, you're not only going to meet those goals, but you're absolutely going to blow through them. So with that, I just want to say thank you so much for your time this afternoon. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Good day. Thank you. You've been listening to the CORE's Sales Training Boot Camp. For registration information about our two-day business building summits, call 1-800-660-6670 or find us on the web at www.thecoretraining.com.